Welcome to Your Brain On by Salience Learning. I'm Karen Foster. And I'm Krista Gerhard. This is part two with Salience Learning's own Dr. Kim Portland. I think you make a really good point with regards to the approach that organizations typically use to upskill individuals in strategic planning. It's around the the tactical resource and training them on the how to use the resource. But to your point, they, they fail or they oftentimes overlook the opportunity, the true golden opportunity to teach them the skill of strategic thinking, to set them up to be able to utilize that resource to the best of their ability. And, un- and unfortunately, what happens too often, and I think you would agree, is that there is little example for what good looks like. So Kim, when you were in-house in a life sciences organization, you were embarking on strategic planning, you were helping to prepare your team for the process of strategic planning. What resources, what partners, who did you call to help you in your efforts uh, to ensure that the team was well prepared to embark on this process? So, yeah, it, it was really challenging. You know, I looked through my organization and found that while I could get training for my team members on the process, but being defined as the template and the kind of how you fill out the template. Um, I really couldn't find the training in-house that I needed for them to really learn the thinking behind creating a medical plan. So it was really on me as the medical leader to figure out how to get that training for my team members and for myself. So I ended up looking to service providers, found challenges there in finding a good fit um, who understood international markets, but also understood how to do medical strategic planning. And then I ended up creating training myself for the team members. And that's a challenge. Basically, you're playing two roles as a medical leader. Not only are you responsible for the, the strategic direction of the organization within your international markets, and but you're also responsible for the education and the development of your team to be able to support this process as well. So I'm not sure if that's something, you know, I think it's an interesting component within medical where you don't necessarily realize that you sign up to essentially be an educator of others, not just KOLs, but internally. Uh, to your own team members oftentimes. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think across medical affairs in many medical affairs organizations, you will find that the team members absolutely have to own their own learning, which actually that's a a good thing in a lot of ways. You know, you want self-directed learners, but they have to own their own learning without often being given the resources that are needed in order to support that learning. Interesting point there. They're not given the resources that they that they need, and I think one of the the trends that you you talked about a bit earlier, um, with regards to involving customer engagement models and and seeing how customer facing roles, specifically in medical, are evolving at a very rapid pace. Given your experience, what recommendations would you have for individuals in medical leadership roles who are looking to identify partners to assist them in the professional development of their teams? You know, I think there's a lot of things that I look for in a partner and and maybe I set my standards too high, but to me, a partner really needs a deep understanding of medical affairs, but they really also need to have a strong background in training. It's easy to find one or the other, but more challenging to find both. So you either find service providers that have been in medical affairs and therefore think that they're really good trainers, which isn't always the case. Or you can find training service providers that 
really may be great at some of the capability building, but may not really truly understand how to apply that in a medical affairs role. I think the other key factor is geography. So, you know, I've worked in Asia, I've worked in Europe and in the US, and you get a lot of service providers that work in one area of the world or the other, and therefore think they understand. And the reality is, while there's more similarities than differences across medical affairs across the world, there are differences. And if you get service providers that come in and say things that really don't resonate, because that's just not how it works in that country, then you immediately lose credibility. And once you lose credibility when you're doing a training, you know, you're not going to, the learners are not going to learn anything um, because they immediately shut off thinking this person doesn't understand me. Similarly, you have to be careful in hiring service providers that work outside of medical. So if you hire service providers that work a lot in commercial, in the first few minutes of the training, they'll inevitably call an MSL a rep. It may sound like a silly little nuance that isn't a big deal to misspeak on something like that, but the number of trainings I've run where that has happened, and again, you immediately lose credibility because MSLs are nowhere near sales reps and will immediately have a reaction to that and lose credibility with the service provider. So Kim, we talked a bit about things we need to look for when hiring a strategic partner uh, with regards to medical professional development. What three recommendations would you give medical affairs leaders to prepare their teams for the challenges they're facing today? I think one of the key things is to focus first on themselves. You know, one of the challenges that I've really noticed, I know myself and seen in others in medical affairs is that as you move up the chain, you go from being an individual contributor to a leader of a team without typically getting any training in how to coach, how to mentor, and how to lead the teams. So I think that's something for medical affairs leaders is to kind of think internally for a minute around your own skills. And perhaps if you feel like that's an area in which you need to build, consider how you can build capabilities on your own coaching and mentorship. So I think that's one. I think two is around thinking long-term and building long-term capability plans for yourself and for your team members. In medical affairs, I think we're so busy educating others because that's one of the key roles in medical affairs that often we forget that we need to be building ourselves. And we talked about the trends, the expectations on these medical affairs team members are getting bigger and bigger every day. So create a long-term capability building plan, dedicated time for learning so that these team members can really build their knowledge and skills over time to keep developing and evolving into their future roles. And I think one of the key shifts here is as an MSL, often there's dedicated time for learning. Most MSL organizations have a fairly intensive training program and dedicated time every week for learning. So they're typically in field a certain number of days and out of field a certain number of days. And that's designed for administration and for learning because they have to be experts in order to be successful in their role. So I think we need to be thinking about a similar model for other medical affairs roles. I'm not saying they need to stop working one or two days a week, but if we had dedicated time for learning and a culture of learning and resources for them to learn, then I think that we could really provide a lot of success in this area. And then I think the final piece is you probably can't do it alone. I mean, even in large organizations where there's a lot of internal learning and development resources, they're still often lacking in medical. So find a really strong strategic partner that can help you do some of these pieces that you don't have the internal resources to serve. And I think you want to find a combination of 
a deep understanding of medical affairs, and then the science of learning. So how do you really effectively build and maintain the knowledge and skills needed to be successful in your roles? And then and I think with that as well, an understanding of the markets in which you work, that's a critical piece as well, is having a strategic partner who can really understand the different markets in which you work, because the roles can differ pretty dramatically based on the country and the size of the market. Thank you, Kim, so much for being here, for sharing a bit about your experience, your background, the challenges that you're seeing in the marketplace across medical, within life sciences. We really appreciate your insights and obviously being part of the Salience Learning team. So thank you again. Thanks, Krista. Really happy to be here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Your Brain On. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm Krista Gerhardt. And I'm Karen Foster. And we'll see you next time.